All right, Christy, can you tell us a fun fact about yourself that will entertain all of our listeners? Uh, my cricket noise that I often do at orientations for you know new faculty ease the tension of the room a little bit. So I will try to do that here. I don't know how it will record. Oh my God. <laughs> I use it to quiet down my class instead of yelling. You know, I just do the cricket noise and they're like, what the heck? What? Welcome to Female of the Species, a podcast for the sisterhood of science. I'm your host, Phoebe Cohen. Before we get into our first episode, which is an excellent interview with Dr. Christy Visaji, I'd like to introduce myself and the impetus for doing this podcast. I'm a paleontologist and a professor at a small, rural, liberal arts college. As a child, I was one of those kids who was pretty much only friends with boys because I thought girls were boring and lame. As I grew up, I realized just how wrong I was. And as an adult, I've grown to appreciate and admire the women in my life more and more each year. As a researcher in a male-dominated field, I've discovered the joy and importance of having a cohort of female colleagues and mentors to rely on. So this show is in part a way to share with everyone out there all the amazing women who work in the sciences. But I want it to be more than that. On this show, we won't just be talking about our research. We'll also be talking about our favorite TV shows, the joys of grading in a jacuzzi, hot yoga and mojitos as ways of dealing with professional rejection, the dreaded work-life balance equation, and what goofy science toys we have laying around our office. Spoiler, I have Legos, stuffed trilobites, and bobblehead Mulder and Scully dolls. Along the way, we'll explore the good parts about being a woman in science, since most of what we see from the media focuses on issues like sexual harassment and implicit biases. While we will address these critical issues over time on the show, we want to balance that with a good dose of the positive and the fun. So thanks for joining us as we explore the female of the species. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce our first guest on the podcast, Dr. Christy Visaji. Welcome, Christy. Thank you so much, Phoebe. I'm really excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So just to get started, why don't you uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I am a lecturer in geosciences at Georgia State University. I do research in paleontology. Specifically, I'm interested in predator-prey interactions and how ecology may influence evolution. I also study connections between ancient environments and modern ecosystems with implications for conservation. And I'm an advocate for STEM education, place-based learning, and integrating research into teaching. So basically you do everything, that's what you're telling me. <laughs> I, basically I, I have a hard time focusing on one thing, is really <laughs> what good. I'm saying. That's good, it's more fun that way. <laughs> so Christy and I have known each other since 2002, uh, when we had both just graduated from college and both ended up in upstate New York at the same time. <laughs> Our paths have crossed multiple times. <laughs> That's right. Our paths have crossed multiple times over the years uh, because we are both paleontologists. And in fact, uh, we were both on our professional society as student representatives at the same time. 
And because of that, I became Christie's wedding photographer, <laughs> which was super fun. She put me up in a beach condo in North Carolina for the weekend. Um, and I think the thing I remember the most about your wedding, other than taking lots of photos, was the canoe full of booze you had in the backyard. Yes, that was that was very important to my husband and I to have a, a open bar with a canoe and a keg and wine bottles and whatever you wanted to your it was super fun it was a good like <laughs> enjoy um, your drinks yeah I got married last year and it was a good uh it was a, your wedding was a great example of sort of how fun a DIY wedding can really be because it was like super no frills but also super super fun um and I really appreciated that thanks yeah we were on a budget but wanted to have fun so you too can get married in grad school <laughs> So, Christy, can you let us know one or two of the things that you like the most about being a woman in science? I would say support. Undoubtedly support. Having female mentors, role models, peers, basically somebody who's just like, hey, I know what you're going through. I've been there. I've done that. Like, you're going to be fine. It's hard. And in fact, you're awesome and you can do it. I can't say how important this has been over the years with dealing with sexual harassment or, you know, feeling like I'm not being heard as a woman, Mm -hmm. say in a faculty meeting, Mm -hmm. uh, managing work-life balance as a mom, not feeling like a failure when I cry (laughs) if an experiment's gone wrong, being like, it's okay, it's okay to have that reaction. Um, So, yeah, it's awesome to have that sisterhood and it really makes a difference in feeling like you belong to say, yes, I'm a woman, I'm a scientist, and I belong here, and I'm rocking it. Totally. Yeah, I feel like in grad school, I didn't have enough of that. Um, There just weren't a lot of women in my program, or I just didn't connect with a lot of women. And I think that, you know, connecting with you and other women over the years has been really important for me and something that I'm trying to focus more on and embrace more. My colleagues professional colleagues in terms of people I've collaborated with have tended to mostly be men and I love them and they're wonderful and I'm lucky to have wonderful male collaborators but there's something different about um, spending time with with women scientists and I definitely feel safer I feel less I don't feel like I have to prove myself I knew you were gonna say constantly that. yeah and it's unfortunate that I feel that way around my my guy friends, my professional guy friends, but, you know, it's, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel that way around, around most of my female colleagues, which is really great. It just feels like I can let my guard down a little bit. I can feel like the tension go away in my shoulders, you know? <laughs> exactly. What's your favorite way to take care of yourself after you get a really bad manuscript review or rejection or other bad professional news? So... Typical, since, you know, I don't have one research focus, I also don't have one way to take care of myself. (laughs) Depending on the situation, it could be hot vinyasa yoga, it could be putting in Legally Blonde and getting psyched with Elle Woods, uh, (laughs) chips and salsa. I have this kudos file where I keep... Okay, so what is that? Okay, yes. So my kudos file in my filing cabinet is a folder where I keep all thank you cards from students, emails that, you know, they said, hey, your class was great, thank you so much, and I print them out and I put them all in there. And so I That's use such it a good idea. for 
you know, saying, hey, look, I'm a great teacher, or to help lift me when I'm in a bad mood. Because we, well, we focus on the negative so much more than the positive, and so it's easy to forget all the good things that people have said about us and all the things we've accomplished yes. when, you know, when reviewer number three decides to be a jerk. Oh, right. Reviewer number three. Mm-hmm. Oh, curses. And then there's always, you know, singing, dancing, car, office, whatever. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very important. So, Christy, are you a coffee drinker or a tea drinker? Oh, coffee. The morning elixir. How do you take your coffee? I have my coffee with agave uh, nectar and almond milk. Mmm, almond milk. Yes. <laughs> so I've I've had some issues with almond milk getting gross and clumpy in my coffee. Does this happen to you? Or am I the only one? No. Are you... So I'm using uh, Silk, the refrigerated almond milk, unsweetened uh, original. Ha. Okay. That must be the, the problem is if you use the Tetra Pak stuff, it looks like... It's chunky. No one wants to drink chunky coffee. <laughs> no. It's just not cool. Yeah, so I, I do uh, almond milk because my son has a dairy intolerance. Oh. 3% of babies apparently have it, can't process the proteins in milk. And so until he's able to digest them, hopefully he'll grow out of it. And since I am still breastfeeding, I have been dairy-free for 18 months. That's crazy. I just find it so fascinating that as a nursing mother, what you ingest has such a profound effect on your baby. I mean, it makes sense, but it's just, I mean, it's really interesting to think about. I didn't know anything really (laughs) about nursing until I was a, a new mom. I have a few other mom friends who also have the same issue. So I wonder if the rates are higher. Or if I just have very special friends. <laughs> I, you know, I also know quite a few people who have the same issue. Uh, I also know others who, uh, pediatricians, that's kind of a first go-to. If the baby is really colicky, has eczema, uh, diarrhea, reflux, right. whatever, kind of you know, unhappy yeah. baby, <laughs> they're like, why don't you try cutting out dairy? Yeah. And so I think some realize yes it helps and others mm-hmm. um fine no it, that's not really the situation well you should have a little cheese party once you stop nur- nursing yes actually i i confess i accidentally had a mcdonald's cheeseburger last week what I, how do you accidentally have a cheeseburger okay so <laughs> i was so sleep deprived because sal is still not fully sleeping through the night and I'm trying to wean from nursing during the night. Did you sleep drive to McDonald's? I had to go get gas in my car. I was hungry. It was a long day. And I thought, I'm just going to get a burger at McDonald's instead of worrying about dinner at home Mm -hmm. after he was asleep. And my mother-in-law was there at the house watching him. So I just went in the drive-thru, I ordered a cheeseburger, I sat in the parking lot, scrolling through Facebook, eating my cheeseburger, <laughs> and I was on the last bite, and I thought, oh my god, what did I just do? So, whoops. Uh, but, that's amazing. fortunately, his sensitivity seems to be 
decreasing. So yeah, is he he's eating solid he, food now? Yeah. Also, yeah. So he didn't yeah. have yeah. Um, quite as bad a reaction as right. he would have say a year ago. Right. Right. Well, that's but, good. That's whoops. good. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliance. Brilliance. <laughs> So I know that you have also just recently finished reading Lab Girl by Hope Jaron, and I'd love to hear more about um, your thoughts on the book. And if you could just start off by telling our listeners a little bit about the book, that would be awesome for those of you out there who haven't read it. And if you haven't read it, you should fix that problem very quickly. Uh, A friend recommended, a fellow women scientist recommended it to me, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, the first chapter, I was completely sucked in. I was like, yes, oh my goodness, I had these experiences as a child and being into science, and yes. Hope Jaren is a geochemist, a plant biologist, kind of wears different hats and studies modern plants, fossil record. And what she does in her book is tell her story of kind of how she got interested in science, um, how she ended up choosing her career path, her opportunities and struggles along the way through various uh, jobs that she had. But she does it in a way that is so relatable. Uh, You know, even though she's an amazingly brilliant scientist, you can identify with her, you can feel like you're just having a conversation with her and she weaves her knowledge of plants as metaphors into you know much of her life experiences so it's really interesting to kind of learn a little bit of science and then also you know feel a little bit with her as a woman in STEM. Yeah one of the things that I appreciated about the book which I think has sort of bled into the impetus for the podcast is the fact that you can't separate the person from the science. And that, you know, as scientists, we're supposed to be all objective and cold and rational. But that's just a joke, right? We're human beings. We're fallible. And our personal lives and our personal feelings inevitably will leak into our our research and into our professional lives. And I think that Hope's book was a really cool example of instead of trying to like repress that or pretend that that doesn't exist, she just comes right out into the open with it. Um, it's not a shameful thing to be a human being and a scientist, right? Like we shouldn't pretend that we don't have lives and that we don't have feelings and that things don't hurt us and things don't affect us and that we don't feel joy too. Like I thought that was something really amazing about her book was how joyful she is about her research and you don't often get to see that right and and how silly you can be <laughs> in yes. having fun doing lab work or how vulnerable you may be in uh, challenging situations it was really great to yeah just feel like you got to know her experiences through the telling of her story yeah and like the funny she tells a lot of funny stories about taking students on field trips and as a professor, I really appreciated that um, because not only is she playful with her work, but she's also playful with her students. Yes, or when she's made mistakes in the yes. lab. <laughs> yeah, there's one like there's a couple harrowing scenes where things explode in her lab. 
Um, and while I've never had anything explode in the lab, I've certainly had disasters happen. So right. it was nice to read about that too. Usually you just read about the successes in science. The other thing that I, I've given the book to a number of graduating right. seniors last year, my thesis students and a couple other students, and one of the things that I've had to say to them when I give them the book is, you know, Hope is a very driven, single-minded person. She is a workaholic, self, you know, self-proclaimed workaholic, and that really comes across in the book, and that that's not the only way to succeed in science. Um, and I think that she would, you know, she would agree with that. So this is her story of, of her life as a scientist, and I try to make sure that my students understand that this is not the universal path that one needs to take in order to be successful as a scientist today. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. That's a good way to put it for your students, because there were definitely parts of the book I felt a little uncomfortable, because I was like, oh no, I don't want people to think that this is how I they know. have to be yes, to succeed. Totally. No. But, you know, I, I respect that that was her experience, and that's how she operates, and if that works for her, that's awesome. Um, but I'm glad that, for the most part, I haven't been pressured to necessarily, you know, follow that same kind of path and that, that there's many ways to be successful and happy and enjoy being a woman in science. I enjoyed the rest of the book, but it was really interesting to see how what my expectations of what her experiences might be were not exactly her experiences based on my own, mm -hmm. you know, path. So uh, I yeah. found that really interesting. I thought it was really interesting how she's, you know, she's not even really a generation older than us. She's sort of like half a generation older than us. And yet I think her experience as a woman in science is quite different than what ours has been. Not that we haven't faced um, issues regarding our, our gender, but, you know, she was the first female faculty member at right. Hopkins in her department. Um, and the, certainly the first pregnant faculty member in that department. And... You know, I think that led to some yes. some real challenges. Um, so yeah, that that also really stood out to me. Just that, you know, as as much as there are many challenges that still remain, things have changed um, for for women in science, even in the last right. you know fifteen years. Yeah, the the maternity part in particular. Uh, when she was talking about being pregnant and going to the lab, and I was thinking, oh, yeah. that was just me last year, and I can't imagine, especially being all hormonal <laughs> how I might be like you you won't let me in my lab you won't let me work with my students yeah. are you crazy so yeah. it was really nice to have a, a more supportive situation for sure and I know that not you know not all women have that sort of right. support even now but I think it is more prevalent than it used to be for sure she's actually partially responsible for me getting uh, the 2012 Subaru <gasps> Outstanding Woman in Geoscience Award at GSA a few years ago. I did think, oh, wow, Phoebe got that same award. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what happened was she posted a link to the page mm -hmm. for the award, and she said, women, don't wait for someone to nominate you. Go ask someone to nominate you. And it would have never occurred to me to do that. And, you know, I, I love my graduate advisor, but... I don't think it would necessarily have occurred to him to nominate me. At the time, I was a postdoc at MIT, and I had a really good relationship with my postdoc advisor. So I walked into his office, and I was like, um, there's this thing, will you nominate me? And he was so excited, you know? Again, it wouldn't have occurred to him, but he was so excited when I 
told him about it. He got six people to write letters, six letter writers for this thing, which is a lot. Yes. Um, and, and I, you know, and I got the award. So I, uh, you know, I really took that to heart and I try to, you know, I try to sort of pass that advice on to other women that you can't just sit around and wait for people to nominate you for things. You have to lean in. Sometimes I'm not a big fan of the whole lean in thing, but I think in this instance, it's a good strategy. Right. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. Uh, I think during my PhD, I learned the importance of, you know, asking someone to nominate you for awards, uh, because my advisor would ask that of me, and then in return, I'd be like, oh, okay, that's how mm-hmm. it works, you can mm-hmm. do that. And, and you, you got like the, the AW, one of the AWG awards, didn't you? So, the Gold, the Gold Ring Award? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yes, for, from uh, Association for Women Geoscientists, yes. Uh, and sure, I think I asked Trisha to nominate me for that, <laughs> um, or, or awards here. There was mm-hmm. actually a, uh, outstanding undergraduate mentor award last year at the college. And I thought I would be a good candidate. I asked my department chair if he could nominate me and I ended up winning the award. So awesome. It helps to speak up. It helps to speak up for sure. Lab Girl is a very different book than any other book about science I've ever read. Um, I mean, in general, it's just a beautifully written book. She's an amazing writer, and her descriptions of her science and of plants and even, you know, the mass spectrometers in her lab are just so evocative and beautiful, and I just really, really love the way that she writes. It's really emotional, but also clear, and, and I found it really inspirational because she was able to write about scientific content, but also her life. And usually you get one or the other mm-hmm. in a popular science book. You get like an autobiography, or you get a popular science book about a specific topic that might include a few personal anecdotes, but doesn't really go into the depths of that person's experience as a scientist. And so I thought this book did an amazing job of weaving them together. And you know, using the imagery of plants as a metaphor for her own life was just Oh, it was so good. So that good. was awesome. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely weak in in plant knowledge, so I appreciated that, and I I loved that, and like you said, how she described, you know, how isotopes work and how a mass spec works. I mean, I want to take that language and use that in my class to explain to my students mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I thought it was so brilliant. Yeah, and I've enjoyed. I don't know if you've looked at her blog. Yes, you know. Yeah. Yes. So hope Jaren sure can write. I yep. think is is it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's been it's been nice to kind of get to know her, even though I don't know her at all, but feel like, you know, I understand who she is, how she is. And I really loved that she also let her vulnerabilities out in there, mm-hmm. like saying if she was struggling with anxiety or depression or whatever, you know, I, I think that was really uh, bold and awesome for other people to see that, you know. That, that can happen in your life, and, and you can overcome that. Or not just overcome, but it's a part of you, but it doesn't define you and doesn't mean that you can't still succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that, too. I really like the fact that she was super honest about her mental health struggles and how they affected her as a scientist, and I, I wish that more people did that. I think it's starting to become a little bit more normalized, but I think that in grad school, you know, I, I had some mental health issues that I struggled with. I felt like I couldn't really talk to anyone at work about it. Right. It felt shameful. Yeah. 
And I've tried to, when students have come to me, you know, been like, you know, I've seen a therapist for things and I've had, and it was really helpful. And, you know, now I know why I do that and how I can, you know, navigate that when it comes up. And um, yeah, so it was really good. I appreciated that in the book. Okay, so our last segment is called This Week in Shine Theory. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the idea of Shine Theory, uh, it was first put forth by um, my podcast idols, Call Your Girlfriend. If you're not listening to Call Your Girlfriend, you should. Um, Aminatou Sow and Anne Friedman. And Anne Friedman uh, is, a, is a journalist, a writer, and she wrote a piece for New York Magazine a few years ago coming up with this idea of shine theory, which is basically the idea that instead of women being competitive with each other, we help each other rise up. And that if you surround yourself with other powerful, talented women, that will make you stronger and make you better. And the idea that, that jealousy and cattiness between women is, doesn't have to be the norm. And I think something that she mentioned in a recent article about shine theory in the Olympics really resonated with me, which was that the fewer women there are in a field or in a group, um, the harder it is to be gracious to other women and the more potential there is for jealousy and cattiness. And I've definitely experienced that as a woman in a mostly male-dominated field. And so I've had to try really hard to not let that overwhelm me and to make a really conscious decision to be positive and supporting to other women scientists And so the shine theory uh, moniker has really helped me um, to focus on that and focus on the positive aspects of surrounding myself with super awesome women like Christy. So in this segment, I'm going to ask all the guests, starting with Christy, to just highlight a woman that they're really psyched about, someone who has inspired them and someone whose greatness has helped them achieve their own greatness. So I you know, struggled mostly with this question because <laughs> I thought, oh man, there's so many women who I would want to <laughs> give a shout out to. And and then I thought about my friend, Sarah Kolkowski. Uh, she was in my sorority at college and she was also a very active student. Um, she was ended up being president of Tri-Delta. And during that time, she, I later found out had uh, nominated me to have a little article highlight me in the student newspaper, which I thought was awesome. Um, And I I didn't know it was her who did that initially. And when I was struggling with some challenges in college, she didn't judge me, but really supported me. And that stuck with me. And then as she went on to get her PhD at Cornell, and then when she went on to become a faculty member, you know, just just seeing the awesome mentorship she was doing for her students, how successful she was being at publishing was so inspiring. And, you know, we kind of reconnected on Facebook and, you know, I'd be like, how do you do it all? You know, how do you do this? And she's like, have mm-hmm. great collaborators, mm-hmm. you know, Good advice. have uh, a kind of trial period with students working in the lab before you fully commit. And, and she just had kind of fun little pieces of advice that even though our fields were totally different, 
uh, she was there and supported me. And um, unfortunately, she passed away a few years ago. And um, I'm so sorry. That's that was really hard, and I was I was surprised at how how upset I was mm-hmm, by that mm-hmm. because we weren't really that close necessarily, but um, clearly she had a lot of impact um, on me as a person, um, me as a scientist, and so I really wanted to kind of honor her and say that even still I I think about you know what would Sarah do. <laughs> Well, Christy, it was awesome to talk to you, and I'm really excited to announce that uh, this is Christy's first time on the podcast, but it will not be her last. She's going to be, yeah, she's going to be a uh, recurring guest um, on the show, which I'm super excited about, and I just want to thank you so much for hanging out with us, and I will see you in Denver in a month. We're going to a conference together. Yes, conferences are the best. That's where the sisterhood comes together. That's right. It is where the sisterhood comes together. Thank you so much. I thank you, Christy. Very much enjoyed being here, and I'm super excited to return. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. You can find us all over the internets. We're on Facebook. Just search for Female of the Species. We're also on Twitter as Female of the SP, and you can email us at femaleofthesp at gmail.com. This podcast is very much a work in progress, so we'd love to hear your feedback or suggestions. Thanks for listening. Shout out to our podcast producer, Tamar Avishai. Tamar, you're the bomb. Mm-hmm.